Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about something that every human being on this planet experiences sometime or another, maybe a lot of time. And that is, you know, that stumble, that fall, that inability to do what you hoped to do. It didn't turn out the way you had hoped for. You know, you fell on your face. You bit off more than you could chew. You weren't able to face your discomfort. You couldn't face your fears. You couldn't get that thing that you had envisioned in your head. All of us have those things, and some of us might label them as failures, and our kids definitely will often label them as failures. But are they failures or are they opportunities? (laughs) You're like, don't roll your eyes at me. They are. And I'll talk to you about why that is and how we convey that to our children. But first, we have to learn how to convey that to ourselves, because as with so many things I teach, we have to do work not only with our children, but the work first starts with ourselves. We are not a blank slate. We don't come into an interaction with our children with nothing, with no thoughts, perceptions, hopelessness, hopefulness, right? We, We come in with those things. And so we have to start with those things. But before I get started, I would like to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That is treatmyocd.com. I've been seeing a lot of parents in my community Go to NoCD for an initial assessment. So if you don't know if your child has OCD or not and you want to get an assessment, you don't have to wait. You can get a virtual assessment through NoCD and then see where to go from there. A lot of times people continue and get the therapy they need through NoCD, but some people just want the assessment to rule it in or rule it out, which is a smart thing to do. Okay, so let's talk about these quote-unquote failures. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, because sometimes I try to like tap into what's going on in my world, because my world for a lot of things mirrors your world. I'm in the trenches. I'm dealing with kids with anxiety and OCD. And so the, it doesn't take much for me to figure out what would someone else be going through when I just look at my own life. We had a quote unquote failure this past week and it got me thinking, you know, I'm trying to help my child see that this wasn't a failure, but I had to first start with myself. So let's just start there. When your child, and we're going to use the word failure just because it is easier (laughs) for me to talk about, but I don't like that word because I don't think it's a failure. I think it's an opportunity and every stumble, every fall is an opportunity for growth. And it really is. That's not just some cheesy therapist thing to say. It truly is. But I'm going to talk about what happened with my daughter as a way to walk you through what I'm discussing with a concrete example, because I always like to, to bring concrete examples to you. And I think that can be really helpful for you to understand instead of talking in the abstract. So I'll tell you what happened. (laughs) This will be the example that will kind of weave through this episode. 
So my daughter, we have a lot of travel plans this summer. For anyone who's listened to me for any length of time, especially after February of last year when my husband died, you know that, or maybe you don't, but travel has become a huge thing for us. I realized that I could die tomorrow. I don't have control over that, or I can become unable to be able to travel. You just don't know. We take so much for granted. So when my kids have a break, we are traveling. So we're traveling a lot this summer. And I got a notice that there's a local organization here that helps people who like survivors, families who have uh, lost a loved one who was a first responder and they offer a lot of benefits. So we got an email about them paying for her to go to summer camp and sleepaway camp. It wasn't something that we had even talked about or thought about. And so I looked at it and I thought, this is really cool. I know my 12 year old, I knew that was a bridge too far. There's no way he would go to sleepaway camp for a week. So that was off the table. I asked him because we don't want to assume. Sometimes we don't even give our kids opportunities because we make assumptions before we even get started. And so I asked him, even though I knew that he would say no. And he said no. <laughs> and I was okay with that because that's not what we're working on right now. We're working on we're working on smaller steps with social anxiety. And so, you know, working on him being able to hang out with other people and not hide in his room when people come over. We're working on much smaller steps than a seven-day sleepaway camp. But my daughter, who's 10, is very social and her issues aren't really around, I mean, she has social anxiety, but her current issues aren't really, did not seem like they're around anything that would be triggered or that she couldn't handle. And so I asked her, because I thought she would probably love to go. And initially she was like, yes, I would love to. And then very quickly after that, her anxiety popped up and she said, oh, what, what, I don't know if I can handle that though. And, and so I said, what do you want to do versus what does your anxiety want? And we've got anxiety and OCD in the mix. So it's really muddy. It's hard to say which is which and what was showing up for her. She said, I really want to go. It sounds like fun. And long story short, she got more excited, but nervous. And there was not a long runway to this event. And a lot of times I'll help her process things and we'll plan it. And it's something that she has said she wants to do. And so we have a lot more time and she only had a week, you know, we found out and then she was going to be leaving a week later. So it was a very short period of time. And so she got excited and she was packing and everything seemed really fine. Like she was actually pretty excited about it. And then the morning came and I woke her up and she actually had to take some anti-anxiety medication the night before. She takes like an antihistamine when she's having, you know, an acute level of anxiety and she went to bed. She went to bed. Okay. I woke her up the next day and initially she seemed like, okay. And I said, you know, let me get, I can get you your medication because that really does help that antihistamine. And then I went back downstairs and she came back down and she's like, nope, I can't do it. Mom, I can't do it. There's no way I can do it. Mom, don't make me do it. And pure panic, (laughs) pure, pure panic. And I don't know about you, but there's like a parent instinct that lets you know when things are too far gone. (laughs) I can tell with my child, especially her. Well, actually I can tell with all my kids. I could tell when it's too far gone. This isn't a time to... Like I just knew it was done. I didn't tell her that. I said, well, do you want to think about it? No, mom. No, mom. Don't make me do it. I can't do it. You know, I'll try next year. I just can't do it. And I said, well, how about this? How about we just get dressed and we just go to the bus? Because I was taking her to the bus 
to have them drive her. And then we'll see how you feel. You don't even have to get out of the car. And that's my approach to like inchworm kids who say no, right? If I could just get them closer and closer to the place. And that has worked with her in the past. Like she would not want to go to a birthday party. But then as I inchworm her to the party, she's willing to go. But she was not willing. I No, mom, I cannot. I cannot go to the bus. No, I can't. Don't, are you not going to make me, are you? And I feel like throwing up. I can't do it. Oh my gosh, I'm so nauseous. I feel so sick. <laughs> you all know. I don't mean to laugh, but you know, if you're listening to this and you have a child like that, you know. And so I said, I'm not going to force you. It's fine. You don't have to go. How about we give it like 15 minutes? Think about it. And if you still don't want to go, that's fine. We didn't have a lot of time because the bus was leaving and I had to notify people and we didn't pay for it, which I felt really bad about because it was paid for by someone else. And so she was a solid no. And so I wound up, you know, contacting the people and apologizing. And they said they're, it's fine. I'm sure they're used to it. And then the aftermath. And that is, that is this episode, the aftermath. And so first I have to deal with me. And so in my head, I'm thinking, am I a failure? Right? Well, a lot of times we mirror what our kids worry about. And so I'm thinking, was that just a mom fail? Did I over-accommodate? Should I have forced her to go? And I'm a therapist. Not only am I a therapist, but I specialize in this. (laughs) So sometimes, well, there's two reasons why I'm mentioning that. One, to let you know that even I struggle with these things. So that's a human reaction. So if you have those things where you doubt and you doubt yourself, you know, welcome to the club. The second point I'm bringing, um, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because to me, it seems even more extreme because I'm supposed to be good at this. And so my child wasn't able to do this challenge and I wasn't able to get them to do it. Therefore, now we're both failures. So you got to watch that, right? And this is raw. This just happened two days ago. What day is today? Monday. This happened. It's happened yesterday. <laughs> I have like no sense of time. This happened yesterday. So we're in the thick of it right now, but sometimes I like to bring these raw podcast episodes that are like happening in the moment so that I can, I can teach from my pain. And I think we learn from each other's struggles and, you know, I'm willing to put us out there to help you as well. So for a little while I had to tune into myself. So, you know, take some time. I've become very, you know, since my husband died, I've worked very much on mindfulness and slowing down, paying attention to my own body, my thoughts, my purpose. I've done a lot of spiritual growth in this last year and a half. And that's really actually helped me as a parent to a child with anxiety and OCD. Because in those moments, because I'm so in tune, or I've been working on being in tune, it's always a process, that I could instantly feel the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment, the berating in my head of my own failure, not of my child's failure. And sometimes that might be what you feel. You might experience, I'm angry at her. You know, I'm spending all this money on therapy and I've worked on all these skills and I'm angry with her because she's not able to use them. And she gave up. That wasn't my thought, but I'm, I'm telling you that you can have different thoughts around these things. For me, and something will show up for you, by the way, You know, so if you're thinking, nope, nothing ever shows up for me, I'm totally focused on my child, then you need to tune in more. Take some pause, take a breath, focus. What is it bringing up for you? And 
for me, initially, I was like embarrassed. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want anyone to know that I couldn't get my daughter to camp. That's embarrassing. And then I thought, is it though? First of all, let's think about all the things that are going on. This is a kid who just lost her dad a year ago, and she doesn't want to separate from her mom. She doesn't have a history of separation anxiety. She's got grief and loss. You know, it's like walking around metaphorically with one kidney. I get it. It was scary. And she's never been away from me for longer than a day or two. I've been away from her. We don't have separation anxiety. This isn't even a beast that we've been dealing with. She can go to school. She can go anywhere. I have gone. I've I've traveled and she has stayed with her dad for periods of time. So it's not an issue in the clinical. It hasn't been an issue in a clinical sort of way. I'm not going to say that it can't be or that this isn't the beginning of an octopus tentacle that's growing. But I said to myself, you know, what do you expect? Right? I mean, there's a lot that's been going on for this poor girl. And then I said, we didn't even work on this. This isn't something that we've developed exposures and challenges for that we've built up over a period of time. This like just popped up out of nowhere. This isn't something that we've been, you know, it's like if you're going to run a marathon, you start to train and exercise and build your stamina. We didn't do any of that. Then I said to myself, what would have happened if I forced her? And we were so far gone that I can imagine, and I can imagine because I've done this before, what it would have looked like if I had forced her. She would have been shaking. She visibly starts to shake. She would have been throwing up. She would have been trembling. She would have felt really, really sick. She would have gotten on the bus. And as soon as she got to camp, she would have gone to the nurse. They would have called me and I would have had to come pick her up. (laughs) That's what would have happened. Now, if she was older and she really, really wanted to go, she's 10. If she was like 15 and she really wanted to go, or if we'd done this every year, or if it was school, maybe we'd be doing baby steps, you know, where maybe she had just had a, now in school, we have had issues, but they've been more around metaphobia, the fear of throw up or sensory motor OCD around peeing. And in those situations, she's not allowed to come home. She will go to the school nurse and she'll sit in the nurse and then she goes back to class. So we have a plan in place for that. And so it's not like the minute she shows some trepidation or anxiety, I'm all hands off. But you know, when your child is not on a cliff, but they are falling off the cliff, right? We all know that. And so I had to first give myself permission to have made that choice. I had to say to my, I had to some self-compassion and say, Natasha, even if you're the best therapist in the world, which I'm not saying I am, but even if I was, you know, I'm only one component of this scenario. I don't control the whole thing. And so I had to let go of all of my guilt, shame, berating, my perception of apparent failure that I failed her. I should, maybe I should have forced her to go and let it go because we've played that out before and it wouldn't have been pretty. I know it wouldn't have been pretty. And then we moved to her. And so a lot of times our knee-jerk reaction will be to use that as a, I told you so moment and get into our, our preachy lecture mode. We don't do it on purpose. Most of us don't. We just we don't want this to happen again. And so we move into, you can't always let your anxiety rule you. We can't let your anxiety grow. You can't let your OCD always take charge. Look at your OCD. It's letting you, it's making you avoid blah, 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 blah. And da, 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 right? So we can go into that while the wound is very raw. And we have to be careful about doing that because that is something that might already be happening in their head. And we're just adding salt to the wound. And so 
I went into a little bit of that. I just said, you know, we can't feed your anxiety because the more you avoid, the bigger it grows. Then I heard her say under her breath, I know I'm such a jerk. And then I realized she's already, she's already doing this self-talk. She doesn't need me to do this stuff. This isn't going to help right now. I can do that down the road in a positive way, but right now we need to do some repairing. And so you want to initially tune in with yourself and your perceptions of your failure. It's not about you. Even if you had the most amazing skills in the world, it's still not about you. It's not your journey, right? Let go of that. I had to let go of that. Then tune into your child. Second point, right? Tune into your child. What is this narrative? What's the story they're telling themselves about this failure? I can never do these things. I'm stupid. I'm hopeless. I'm pathetic. See, I told you I shouldn't have pushed myself. I can't do these things. Tune into the narrative. Pay attention to that. This is a time to take their lead. It isn't the time to force processing or force them to sit down and talk, but just pay attention to what they're saying. Luckily, my 10-year-old's like an open book. And so she's saying, I'm an idiot. I'm a, she kept saying, I'm a jerk, which is such a weird thing to say. I'm a jerk. And I'm like, why are you a jerk? What makes you say you're a jerk? Because I couldn't do it, you know, and I packed up and I wasted everybody's time. I wasted everyone's money, took somebody's spot. I'm such a jerk. and. So I went into reframing right away. And when we reframe, it doesn't mean that it's going to be successful. I don't think I really penetrated my child's view of her failure, quote unquote. I still don't think so. It's been 24 hours. She went to bed upset last night. She went to, she went, and I actually thought I killed it. (laughs) I was like, I did such a great job. You know, (laughs) we talked about it. You know, I reframed it and I'll talk about all that aspect of it. I thought kudos to me. Like that was a really great way to respond to that. And by the way, it's not cocky to give yourself some praise internally. I think we're very quick to be okay with lambasting ourselves. But the minute we try to praise ourselves in our head, it's perceived as cocky or conceited. No, it's really good to pat yourself on the back when you feel like, okay, that was a good response. I like that I responded that way. However, don't gauge your success on your child's reactions because then you're going to be disappointed in a lot of things that I talk about. A lot of times parents will say, you know, I've stopped pulling back accommodations or I stopped pulling back reassurance and my child's mad at me. So I don't think this is working. It's like, eh, I think you're looking at the wrong thing to gauge your success. The same thing with this. It doesn't mean that your child's going to instantly feel better. So don't gauge the success of that conversation based on the outcome in that moment, because it may take weeks, months, or even years for your child to recognize what you're saying. They might have to go through these things over and over and over again in order for your words to seep in. And that's okay, because at least you're providing the right words. And you have to do it for yourself too, because how do you talk to yourself when you have a failure, quote unquote, right? How do you talk to yourself when you didn't quite make it or when your child didn't quite make it? Are you owning the failure for both of you? and labeling it and identifying it as a failure? Or are you reframing it authentically and genuinely for yourself first? And then you talk to your child. So the way that I talked to her is I said a lot of the things that I actually said to myself. I said, this is not a failure and you're not a jerk. I said, there were a couple of things that happened. First of all, you had short notice. You know, we didn't have time to prepare for this. Your brain didn't have time to process this. This just happened overnight. Like you had less than a week to really think about it. Secondly, you haven't been away from me. 
for a week. You don't know anyone who's going there. And I get that. I said, and then I started to give her examples. If your best friend was going with you, how do you feel? Oh, I I could have done it then. It turned out that she said, because I kept saying to her, what was the scariest part of going? And she wouldn't answer me because I was pushing her too far. And in my head, I was like, stop, you need to wait. This isn't the time to process it. And I eventually said to her, you can avoid going. That's okay. But we do have to process this. Maybe not right now, but when you're ready, we do have to talk about what the core fears were around this so that we can learn from this. And then when I was talking to her about that, this is an opportunity to learn. The first step was to identify the barriers that were in place that were too big. I said it was a bridge too far because we didn't prepare for this. We didn't have time for this. It wasn't something that you wanted. You were going, there were so many elements. You were taking a bus that scared you. You're going to a camp that you'd never been to before. You were going all alone without anyone that you knew of. If any of those things were different, then it might not have been a bridge too far for you. You might've been able to do it, but you had all those things going against you. And so identifying the barriers, right? And then for your child, identify some of the wins that you can always find a win. And if you can't, then you have to start doing some of your own work because there's always a win to be found no matter what. And when we highlight wins and we celebrate the small steps, we empower our kids. And so I said to her, just the very idea that you are willing to go is incredible, right? I mean, you at least tried, you packed, you said you were going to try your brother, not to put him down. And I wouldn't say it in front of him, but I was like, your brother, you know, he's not ready yet. He wouldn't even think about going. And he'd actually be okay with me saying that because he'd agree. But you, you are willing to push yourself and try things way out of your comfort zone. You're not going to always knock it out of the park. You may not even get out of the park, but at least you tried. That was really impressive. That was really brave in and of itself. So find the small win. And then I moved into that every quote unquote failure is actually an opportunity to learn. And I said, through this experience, we learned some areas that we need to work on right? Some areas that maybe were growing small little weeds that we didn't know about. And now we know those things. And so we can build your muscles in those areas so that you will be able to tackle that next time. Not this huge challenge, but maybe something smaller, maybe a weekend away, or maybe going to a place like this, but with a friend that you know, or maybe I drive you to the camp and you don't take a bus because I learned after the fact that the bus was her biggest problem. If I had known that, I would have driven her there. In hindsight, 2020, in my head, I thought if I drive her there, that gives it because it was like an hour and a half away. I thought if I drive her there, it gives her another hour and a half to like throw up in the backseat of the car. (laughs) And so I thought if I just jump her into it right away, get her on a bus where there's other kids and she starts talking, she'll have more success. But it turns out that that thought process was wrong. Probably if I could have driven her up there and once I got you know, I was with her and I got her to the cabin and she saw it was okay. She probably would have gone. So part of that quote unquote failure was a decision that I made. And do I beat myself up about that? No. I say, okay, lesson learned. Now I learned, I learned something about how to approach her anxiety and OCD. I learned that in those situations, 
I need to be there to walk her through the whole thing in order for her to feel comfortable when she's at that level of anxiety. Okay, lesson learned, right? The whole like drop and run isn't going to work for her. That's fine. The other lesson that I was trying to teach her that I'll continue to try to teach her because we're not out of the woods yet is self-compassion. And so I said to her, when you hit a bump, when you feel like you failed, that's when you have to have the most self-compassion. Because if you are your own worst enemy and you tear yourself down and you're like, oh my gosh, I knew you couldn't do it. Look at you. So pathetic. You know, then that internal voice is going to, to be there to tear you down every time you hit a bump. And instead we want to really hone in on that voice and say, I want you to be my cheerleader. I want you to be my best friend. I want you to tell me things are okay. It's all right. You know what? Tomorrow's a new day. You know, this, this, and this was going on. You can do it. I want an internal cheerleader, not like an internal enemy. And so this is another opportunity to grow that, to discuss that, to teach that. It doesn't mean that it's happening because it's not, but it's better to have these conversations when it's not abstract, when I'm not just like, let's sit down and talk about self-esteem. Let's sit down and talk about self-compassion. It's like such an abstract concept for a 10-year-old that that conversation is going to fall flat. But when I say you're calling yourself a jerk and how does that make you feel? And is that being compassionate to yourself? Is that showing self-love? Does that actually help you in the long run? And she's feeling it. She's in the moment. So this opportunity, not failure, but this opportunity is bringing a lot of fruit with it. We get to talk about self-love, self-compassion. We get to talk about forgiveness of ourselves. We get to talk about our imperfections. I talked to her about how every failure is a learning opportunity to propel yourself forward. We learned that there are certain themes that maybe we need to work on to build your muscles. So teaching your child how to view it is really important. And and then you have to revisit it. So we're kind of still in the middle of this, but so she has her bags that are packed by the door and she went to bed last night. And what was she saying to herself? Like she was really upset. Oh, I could be at camp right now. You know, tomorrow we'd probably be going canoeing and, you know, and probably we'd be doing art. So she's like, now she's just having that whole regret FOMO thing going on. And I, and again, this is another opportunity to live in this moment and not in the what if moment. Failures actually bring more learning opportunities than successes do, believe it or not. It's in the failures that we learn, not really in the successes. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I love successes, but there's a lot of meat on failures, right? And so talking about being in the moment, talking about not living in the what ifs, it, it, that's not happening right now, right? And so lamenting and going over that in your head, all that's doing is adding to your feelings of guilt and sadness. It's not helping. You are here. And what are we doing tomorrow? So we went over what we're doing tomorrow. Let's make it a fun week, right? Every day we've been doing fun things. And this is an opportunity for us to watch Lost. <laughs> We've been like binge watching Lost. Oh my gosh, that's such a good series. I can't, I've watched it, you know, back in the day, but we've been watching it again because we went to Hawaii and we went on the back lots of like the Hawaiian Hollywood where they film like Jurassic Park and Lost. And I said to her, we have to watch Lost now because if you watch it, you're going to see all the, the places that we've been. 
And so we started to watch it. She's a very mature 10 year old for the most part. And so it's been a real bonding thing. We've been binging it big time. We're watching like three or four episodes a night. And so I said to her, we get to watch Lost. That's kind of fun. More me and you time. And we're going to be traveling so much. We're going to Europe. We're going to Italy and Switzerland and France and England in June. And so we're going to be very busy doing a lot of crazy fun things. And I said, you know, you need the downtime anyway. So it's not like a bad thing because it was a lot. She's going to band camp next week. So she can do that. She can go to, she can go to day camp. Like that's not, she's never had an issue, but kind of reframing it. And that's not, I think sometimes parents are afraid to do that because they don't want to make it okay. You know, I don't want to make it okay that she couldn't go to that party. I don't want to make it okay that he couldn't go to school, or I don't want to make it okay that he couldn't touch that thing. But there's more power in getting them to have some self-forgiveness and getting them to switch their moods and feel hopeful than showing them, you know, I'm going to show them that that's right. You know, the more pain, the more they'll do it next time. And that's not the case most of the time. The only thing that's happening is they're, they're hitting their self-esteem and we don't want that. We don't want them to build shame and guilt and a low self-esteem. And so it doesn't mean that we coddle them and we say, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Or, you know what? That was just too hard for you. Next time you have to do something easier. We have to, we have to really watch what we're conveying. I didn't say that was too hard for you. I said, you just didn't have enough time to prepare. So language has power. Our words have power. So we have to be careful with what we're conveying. And so if the message is, I want to teach them that they're strong and they're empowered, you just say, you know what, if it's getting them to school, you know what, I saw that you were really doing, you were trying to calm yourself down in the car and you went through the gate, even though I could tell you really didn't want to go and you made it to first period. And that was better than last week. And every time you go, you're building up more and more skills and more and more muscle to tackle this. And that's impressive. You're not going to knock it out of the park every time, but at least you're going to the park. (laughs) My weird analogies. So remember that you are a coach and you're supposed to inspire your kids. And we're not going to always do that. I certainly don't always do that. But if I remind myself that my reaction in this moment and my words for this this bump will have an impact and i get to choose what kind of impact that will have now how it plays out with my daughter that's on her i can't control that aspect and we have to learn to let go do what we need to do and then let go of expectation of how it's going to be received because it won't always be received in the way that we had hoped it may not make an impact in that moment and you might think I did everything Natasha said. I was very inspirational and hopeful and talked about this being a learning opportunity. And she just told me to shut up. You know, It doesn't matter. You don't get to gauge success based on your child or you shouldn't because that is the aspect we don't get to control. But at least we know our role in things and we're not going to do it perfectly because it's the whole theme of this conversation is that failures are part of success. And that's something that I say a lot to my kids Failures are part of success because we don't grow, we don't learn without failures. So they're important. They're an integral part of this journey and they're going to be part of it for the rest of our lives because that's just the human experience. So who knows how it's going to go? 
that's where we're at today. But I just thought it would be a good episode to kind of just talk about it with you because I'm sure you're experiencing this or have experienced this yourself. I did make a YouTube video on, this is a little specific, but I made a YouTube video on when an exposure goes wrong. So if your child is actually doing ERP exposure with response prevention and they do an exposure and it's it goes bad to the point where they don't want to do another one, I made a YouTube video on that. And I will leave a link in the show notes because that's somewhat related to what we're talking about today. And that might be helpful for some of you to help your kids turn a failure into success. Because we the worst thing that we want to happen or the worst thing that could happen is that they use this experience as an impetus to not do anything else that is brave or uncomfortable. And it's good to kind of outright say that. I mean, I said that to my daughter. I said, I don't want you to use this experience as a reason why you can't do big, difficult, scary, brave things because you can and you have. And then I listed all the things that she's done in the past and all the things that I know she'll do in the future and that this does not def- this one situation does not define her or her journey. Just one little piece of a very large puzzle that she's putting together called her life. So I hope that you are finding this podcast helpful. And if you are, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast and let people know because that that does go a long way. And if you have a few extra seconds and you can leave a review, I greatly appreciate it. I like to end my show reading one of them. And I want to thank Liana whose name I recognize because I know she's in my community and she wrote a lighthouse in the darkness. I've been following Natasha since last year. when My son was diagnosed with OCD. Her videos and podcasts have been bringing light to the darkness. Um, She kind of did a typo there, so I'm not exactly sure what she was trying to say, but OCD comes before children are families. I just finished listening to her latest episode we discussed not rationalizing with OCD. Although I've been thoroughly educated on ERP, reading all the books and seeing all the videos, this was a great reminder of the things that I can control as a parent and the things I can't with my child. We just joined her community last night. We're very excited to continue to grow and learn to better help our son. Thank you so much for giving yourself and your advice to all of us. Oh, well, thank you for writing such a nice review. I really appreciate it. And I am excited to get to know you better in the AT parenting community, which I know that we will. So if you write a review, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. And please don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 